Mark 9, 38 through 50. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Thank you, Macy. Very much appreciate you. One interesting text, huh? Is it one of your favorites? Is your life verse in there? Hallmark don't use this passage very often in their card, the greeting card line. Um, and also, it's kind of, you know, sorry, but, you know, today is, you know, people are doing Halloween stuff today. I was like, what a strange, strange text uh, on this particular day. Um, but this is, this is why we're doing the Gospel of Mark in its entirety, in order, because sometimes you, you get a text or something that you, you don't particularly want to maybe talk about, right? Because it seems a little harsh or a little difficult. Some of that comes from the ways we've heard these passages shared uh, in our lives. Uh, and per- perhaps sometimes we need to take a closer look at what the passage actually says and we really think about it. Uh, which I've been doing all week, praying and thinking about this passage. And uh, it really follows on very well from what came before. Jesus is in this section where he's really pressing into what it means to be a disciple. He wants his people to understand that this is a serious business following him. He started talking about this upcoming arrest and death. And he mentions resurrection, but I'm not sure they're getting past perhaps the first part It sounds like it's getting pretty serious. And the disciples, God bless them, uh, are are a bit dull at times, right? I mean, I I identify with them very strongly. You know, I love that they don't polish up these disciples to be these perfect people. Like, you know, and so last week, what were they doing? They were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Out of earshot of Jesus, but he asked them, what were you arguing about? But they didn't say anything because they were arguing about which one of them was greatest. So remember last week, who was here last week? Remember, we, we figured out who was the greatest among us with that questionnaire. Remember, you guys? Those of you who weren't here, you missed that some, an opportunity to be the greatest. So, by the way, the crown is in the mail to the winner. Um, but we consider this question about greatness um, and, and, and this maybe thinking that 
this question of who is the greatest is something that this world kind of revolves around, is preoccupied with. Who is the greatest? Who is the best? In all the ways that we think about that and might think about that. Well, this is another kind of question that this world may be preoccupied with. And the question that, that comes along today is, who is one of us? Who is one of us? Who is in and who is out? Who is an insider? Who is an outsider? And this might be a close second to the question of who is the greatest. Our culture is becoming seemingly more and more divided with the ins and the outs. And the church is supposed to be a growing example to all who see her of diversity in unity. Not just cookie cutter, everyone's the same, thinks the same, votes the same, whatever. We're meant to be like the body, a diversity of gifts, understanding, experience, perspective in unity together because of Christ who brings that unity. That the world might marvel that those who seem to perhaps have reason to be enemies are actually friends and brothers and sisters. Who is in and who is out? There are a few things that I want us to think about from this passage today. And I'm just going to go through them in order. And my prayer is that something here today would, would either nourish us, challenge us, encourage us, captivate us, that we would see Jesus and that we would want to be more like the church that he calls us to be. The first thing is this, that the smallest amount of faith the smallest, infinitesimal amount of faith really turning towards God is precious. The man who the disciples had intercepted and commanded to stop, it says he was casting out demons in Jesus' name, but he wasn't one of the 12. And John has a problem with this and said, so we told him to stop because he's not one of us. What a miracle. This guy is doing what Jesus has been doing this evidence that Jesus is the Messiah, this man is doing it and he's not part of the, apparently the group of disciples. Not only this, but a couple of weeks ago, Josh shared about the story that the disciples weren't unable to do what this man is doing. Once again, perhaps a little hurt feelings and they're like, we told him to stop, you know? So human. Um, and Jesus clearly affirms this activity because really this, this particular thing of Dark powers being cast out is a sign that the kingdom has come to earth. Dark powers are exposed and cast out. This is a sign of the presence of the kingdom. And this man who seems to be an outsider is doing this work. But then Jesus uses, in, in the next couple of verses, he uses this really simple act of hospitality as an illustration of just what might be included in those who are part of this kingdom work, this movement to change the atmosphere and the quality of human life that Jesus has come to do. And he says, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, I'm not casting out demons in my name, just a, gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Just this tiny bit of faith, a small kindness, a cold glass of water to someone who is a follower of Jesus. And I think that's really intentional. And Jesus is saying, 
never mind it, but this is most definitely part of my kingdom, even though he's not one of you. But even to the point of the smallest amount of faith is precious. It is so precious. The second thing is this. Only God knows where any person is in relationship to him. Only God knows where anyone that we encounter is in relationship to him. And we are often so quick to judge. This little, uh, verses 39 to 41, if you have a pen, you can just make a little underline thing here if you have a pen, right? On your, on your booklet, this text is there. Because this is amazing. Jesus masterfully kind of weaves in insider and outsider language throughout these three verses. It's just got this amazing little... You know, this is much of Bible interpretation. It's just paying attention to what's there. So you can underline him. It says, do not stop him. This is the outsider, apparently, right? For no one who does a miracle in my name, can I bring it to Jesus, can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I, truly, I tell you, anyone... Who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. I think that's a beautiful way that Mark is expressing this thing that there's all of this, you know, different people. There's Jesus, there's anyone, there's the insiders and there's the supposed outsiders and they're all together in this beautiful little package here. It's talking about the kingdom as being expansive and inclusive you know, back in my late teens, did any of you guys know me in my 20s? Good, I can say whatever the heck I want, man, right? I was a bit of a mess, let me just tell you. I was a worry to my parents. And, but I had given my heart to Jesus when I was 13 years old. I wasn't baptized. Within a few short years, the hypocrisy in the church that I was attending sent me on a path out of the, the, the faith, really. But I never lost my faith. Like, I always had this sense that I knew God, and there was always some... Hey, you all right, buddy? What's that you say? So, you know, I never had... I never lost that, right? I always said it was like... I was kind of like a little sheep in the pig pen. I could never quite fully engage in all the things that I kind of wanted to shake it off, but I could never quite lose this conviction. And it used to bug me sometimes. Like, someone would use like Jesus' name in vain, it would like cut me. And I'm like, why would that be? No other cuss word bothered me, but that one, I'm just like, ouch, right? It, it never left me. But here's the thing. I'd be in the street sometimes with my friends, you know, um, hanging out. And Christians, well-meaning Christians would come up sometimes to try and evangelize me, right? Because they looked at me and they thought, definitely a sinner, pagan. And they'd be like, hey, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm with my friends and stuff. And I was kind of not Church was not a place that felt safe for me at that time in my life, and I wasn't really actively involved in it. But I still had that faith, right? It was precious. It was a gift from God, and He never took it away from me. No matter what I did, He was faithful. He held on to my heart. So these Christians would come up and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? I'm like, yeah, I know about Jesus. They would not believe me, probably, from outside appearances, right? Um, and actually, in the past couple of weeks, I've been told twice that I don't look like, like a pastor. Seriously. And one of them was because I accidentally bumped into one of my neighbor's cars. And her father was not happy. And I was trying to explain why I'm such an honorable person. Because I'm a pastor. And he just said, look me up and down. It's, it was, I get changed after church. You know, I'm usually pretty neat like this, right? He said, you don't look like a pastor. You know? 
These appearances, these people saw this man, they thought he's not one of us. Stop him. Only God knows who his people are. Only God knows. Uh, you know, this encourages us to think globally about our faith as well. We can get very tied to a cultural understanding of what a Christian looks like, sounds like, believes like at times too. Um, there's, a, there's a guy who, who suggested that the average Christian in the world today is a female, is black, non-white, and lives in a Brazilian or an African village. That is the average Christian these days. Very different experience to us. Um, God is using all kinds of people in all kinds of places to advance his kingdom. We better be really careful about how we make judgments about that. Because thirdly, to hinder the faith of any human being is a very serious thing. To hinder the faith of another human being and get in the way of what God is doing in their lives is a very serious thing. This is a scary sounding passage, right? This has got some scary imagery in it. And I think we often use this this text, or pastors, we pastors have often used this kind of thing to to use as a stick to beat non-believers into heaven. But it's really got nothing to do with that. This is talking to disciples. This is talking to the people who claim that they are in, that they are followers of Jesus. And there's this word stumble that appears, you notice, a few times through the passage. And really, the word stumble is around the area of either to take or to cause offense. It is actually translated offense quite regularly in the New Testament. It's about taking offense or causing offense in such a way that it causes someone to be derailed a little bit from their journey with God. In fact, uh, I made the staff read this book. Marissa, uh, Marissa told me about it. Um, it's called Unoffendable. It's about how Christians, if they really understand who God is and who they are, should be the least offendable people in the world. And I think it's worked, right, staff? For, yeah, yeah? You guys are pretty unoffendable now. Um, it's a great book, by the way. It's in the foyer if you want to take a look at it. It's a book there. You could buy yourself a copy. I recommend it. Um, but this is some really serious stuff. And I think, you know, we, like a lot of the world, are very good at being offended, right? And, and then causing offense by the, the words and the actions and the things we do and say, especially on social media, right? And, and so this passage talks about cutting things off, right? It's a very, very cutting passage, uh, very serious uh, unfortunately, some people in the early church sometimes took this literally. There were a few people who tried to, you know, remove body parts thinking that that was a literal thing, right? But it's very much a metaphor. And it's about really our being, our, our whole self, that there's something that may happen that we may have to set aside or, or seek to change or at least identify as a problem and get, bring it to God and say, I need this to be changed in me, need to be excised from my life for the sake of what he says to enter into life and he says enter into the kingdom so for the sake of the kingdom and the sake of the wider kingdom I need to change some stuff he talks about your hand and your foot and your eye it's amazing it just covers the whole scope of what it means to be a human being so hands what we do what we grasp for feet where we go the eyes what we see but it's also really about your soul about your personality and your being I remember when Rona and I were first married, <clears throat> we had been in mu musicians and bands and that was our life. Like we played music, we traveled and recorded and it was what we did. So then we discovered that we were gonna have a baby. Uh, and I, I was working at this little record label in Olympia, Washington and I'd very quickly, you know, I, we'd find a little church but I quickly thought, well, what do you do, Grant? You form a band. So I met these guys, we had a couple of rehearsals, it sounded pretty good. 
and baby had been born. I came back from in the evening after work, after the rehearsal, and I was like, you know, hey, hey, kiddo, great to see you. And Ronald was like, okay, we need to talk. So I see how this is going to go. You're going to form your band, and you're going to take off, and you're going to go play again, and keep building on that, and I'm going to be home with baby. So my wife's also a musician, a very... More actually, more I'd say more successful in that world at that time had been than I was, and so we decided like no, this is not what we're going to do. We're going to cut that off for now. This little child here is our new musical project in always. So we decided neither of us would do it, and it was hard. I ended up playing a little bit in church, but there was this part of me that I had to set aside. We had to set aside and say that's not that's not for now. In order to to encourage the life of our family. And, and as part of the kingdom, we had to set aside something that was precious to us, that kind of hurt to set aside, and it was a difficult decision. But I think when you see my kids, man, you know it worked perfectly, right? Um, but what is wonderful about this also is that God has given us it back. Even the fact that we're playing now again, like God honored that, I think, to say like, okay, you know, and more and more, actually, I met with a guy who's a musician. We're going to start doing an open mic at Railside Cafe. Put a note in your diary, 5 to 7, November 20th, Railside Cafe. A guy from Lone Hill Middle School, a teacher and I, were doing an open mic for local musicians and artists. And you guys should all come and check it out. But, you know, God's giving us it back. But we had to take a hard decision to set it aside. And this is a personal thing. This is a matter for personal reflection to say, okay, God, what is it that I need to, to set aside that I can more greatly enter into life, that my faith can, can be unhindered. And that's very personal. It may be anything about you or what you believe or what you, you know, anything. That's something to think about. Uh, but it's not just for the faith of other people, not just that it's a hindrance to others perhaps, but also yourself. Because God, believe it or not, loves you very, very much. And he wants you to have a less hindered uh, ability to connect with him into life. And so the fourth point here is discipleship is not easy. It's, these are not easy images, right, of, of, of cutting away and of fire and of salt. You know, there's, there's a discipline. Discipleship comes from discipline. There is, a, there is a journey here that can be hard. It says in the text, everyone will be salted with fire. I think this is the process of discipleship, that things do have to fall away. But we do trust the one that we're following, that he knows what he's doing. And it is, once again, it's about life. I love that it, it doesn't say there's some opposite of this. It mentions hell here, which was actually a geographical place. It's Gehenna in, in the area, which was used for child sacrifices and dreadful things back in the day. And it became a hor abhorrent place. And it has been tied to this idea of, of an ultimate judgment. But the converse in this passage is not heaven. What is it? It's life. It's life. Enter into life and also enter into the kingdom. That's what God wants for us. This is what he calls us to do. Lastly, are you glad to hear that word? Lastly, my largest point of the five <clears throat> is this, because this passage ends with these words, have salt amongst yourselves. Okay, the disciples come, John's like, we told this guy, you know, I'm going to get brownie points. I'm the greatest. I told this guy to stop casting out devils because he's not one of us. Jesus is like, oh, no, you're all wrong with stuff. And he says, okay, guys, you know, discipleship is hard. This is serious. We are in a cataclysmic kind of, con uh, you know, a 
conflict here, right? It's going to cost Jesus his life. He's going to give it freely. Choose to serve us in that way. And we're called to step into that. Remember, take up your cross, follow me, deny yourself. The first will be last, the last will be first. And so what he's really saying is this, the church is the place to practice these principles. That this is where we can do these things. <clears throat> Have salt amongst yourselves and be at, what does it say? Be at, said on reading, peace with each other. He kind of summarizes this whole thing as like, if you want to do this, you know, be at peace with one another, you know, which leads also to like, to love one another, thereby the world will know that, that, that I have sent you. Have love with one another. You know, we've talked before about this idea that the church is supposed to be three things to do with the kingdom of God. It's meant to be a sign of the kingdom, kind of pointing to the reality that there is a different way to be human. And we are a sign of that on the earth, in our location in that garden, in the pantry, in this, on this piece of lawn, in the building, wherever we are, we're a sign that there's a different thing happening. We are an instrument of that kingdom, okay? A sign and an instrument. We are instrumental in its activity and its life before the eyes of people who see us as we do it together and a foretaste of the kingdom. I said one time, it was like, I don't really eat a lot of meat anymore, right? Most families will be vegetarian, but sometimes like I'll smell bacon cooking in them and it's like, mmm, it's going to be a good morning. It really happens, right? But it's like a foretaste that, you know, like the kind of aroma of these gatherings, your life, our life together is meant to be kind of a, a compelling foretaste of something that is significant. It's the kingdom of God. And that's what we're called to be. And it starts here. That's what we're doing. We are practicing being disciples of Jesus. And it has great power in the world when we do that. It is a sign. It is an instrument. It is a foretaste of the kingdom of God here on earth right now. And it really, we look at our culture, our communities, our society. If the church cannot do this, who can? If the church cannot be at peace with one another, who can? It requires forgiveness and grace of being slow to anger, quick to listen, slow to speak, of understanding this, which many people have attributed to different authors, but it says this, be gentle for everyone you meet is carrying a heavy burden. Be gentle. And when you fail to be gentle, be quick to say, you know, I'm sorry I blew it. I want to be that way. That we would be this. I don't know, when people come and they're in our midst, they're like, there's something different about these people. They really seem to love one another. And they seem to set aside their own rights, preferring one another. This is a journey. We are, we're never going to fully get there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but Christ in us, the hope of glory it's where it is working. You know, this is, uh, this is Halloween. You're going to get that in your head forever. Anyone knows that, that thing, right? I've been doing that to Justin all week. I'm just like, this is Halloween. He's like, you're stuck in a stupid song in my head. And we're free to say it because we're not scared of demons and ghosts and ghoulies, okay? Whatever. We're not afraid. For greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. 
But here's another thing. This day also has another name. It's Reformation Day. People celebrate the Reformation where Martin Luther, not king, not the civil rights guy, but the, the guy in Europe who came and he nailed these points he wanted to discuss about what he felt was broken about the church at that time. And it just started a fight. Instead of a debate, they had a fight, which sounds familiar, right? Um, but here's something that was, came from that time, which I think is really helpful. So we think about this day as a day of re- reform, okay? Saying like, well, what might be, you know, better and best? to connect us and people with, with God more clearly. And, and really one of the defining things was the doctrine of grace, right? Like there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are forgiven. That's a power to get up in the morning and try doing this stuff, right? Because we are already forgiven. When we blow it, we are forgiven. But there's a saying that came from there and it says this, reformed and always reforming. So it's not a static thing. It's like we want Christ to change us. You know, we may have figured some things out, but we have a lot of things. Even the fact is our culture changes around us, we want to be able to understand that and change and grow and continue to be the, a light in the world and salt in the world. And that puts the, the challenge on us to do the harder work, the sacrificial work, and not expect the world to change for us, but actually we let Christ change us for the sake of the world like Jesus did. Amen? So we're going we're gonna to have communion now as a way of responding to what we have heard today. So if you do not have one of these little chalices, this is, this is a place where we gather and we affirm what God has said, every promise He has made, all of which we are told are answered yes and amen because of Jesus Christ. All of them. For Christ did not consider being God a thing to be used for his own advantage, but instead set that aside and emptied himself, becoming nothing, becoming a servant, taking on human flesh, even to the point of death. Therefore, God glorified him. Given the name that is above all names, that every creature under heaven and on the earth would would bow down and worship. Every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. And we are fully invited to experience this at no cost, except the cost that he paid for us. In your booklet, I'm also asking you, hopefully you have enough hand, hands for this. Before we take this, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together. Because I think this is very key. You know, the disciples said, teach us how to pray, Lord, and he taught them to pray this way. So if you have your booklet, will you join me in reading? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's take this little piece of bread. If you don't have one of these, you could raise your hand again. Or if you happen to have a missing piece of bread, you could also raise your hand. Some of them are, are missing. You good? You have three, Tara. Okay. You're, very, you're highly blessed. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take this in remembrance of Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord, that you did not exert your privilege. You, you saw our dilemma. You see our dilemma, and you are the self-giving one. You're the one that always goes to the edges, to the margins, to the ones who cannot pick themselves up, and you call us to yourself, and you make a way that we can be reconnected with your Father heart and we can be living in peace with one another. Lord, help us to do that. In remembrance of you, we take this bread. And we take the cup and we declare that because of Jesus Christ, we are not condemned, we are not cast away, we are warmly invited to participate in his kingdom today. And Lord, oh Lord, we thank you for the great price that was paid, that we might be free, that we might enter into life. Amen. Amen. Praise God.